the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, as this is a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for. And you've picked another good day to tune into this radio station because if being content is what you need to be, if debt is hanging over your head, Pastor Sean has a special message and reminder for you. And I hope you have a Bible nearby. This series we're in is called The Contrarian's Guide to Real Life. And the notes of this message are available right now at reallife.org, along with the complete podcast of this series. Again, that's reallife.org. But thanks for tuning in. This is Real Life Radio. My provision is secure because my provider is God, folks. This is practical. This is real. This is contrarian. This is alarming. This is going to take you totally different directions in life. This requires some decisions. Seriously. We can throw around the, the, the kind of just platitudes. Oh, God's my provider. Good. If, you're, if you want to play games, fine. Knock yourself out. I, I don't want to. And you realize when you really come at this and start saying, I'm going to now live my life like my decisions, my purchases, my career decisions, all of it on this foundational understanding that my father, God, is my provider. You're going to bump into some things. And you're going to go, oh, wait a minute. I have to think differently about that. Or I have to think differently about this over here. Now, three decisions you have to make, okay, if you're going to live the reality of my provision is secure because my provider is God. The first decision I see through the eyes of faith or I see through the eyes of fear. You got to decide. Can't do both. You have to decide today. I will see through the eyes of faith or see through the eyes of fear. That's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 6, 31, 32. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't fret. Do I really believe this? Because that's the first thing. If I believe God is my provider, then I don't have to be afraid anymore. And I don't have to make my decisions based on Fear, because fear will cause us every time, folks, listen to this, to sacrifice what is important at the altar of what is urgent or expedient. It'll do it every time. Fear causes us to misplace our priorities. It will cause us to react instead of respond based on our principles, based on truth. And we get in trouble when we start reacting. Fear will cause us to be immobilized, paralyzed, totally ineffective. You've heard of being frozen in fear. Fear will turn us into nothing more than a money vending machine, trying to take in what we can and then spitting out what we need to. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear. This is the Lord speaking. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. See, while faith or while fear has some some kind of reactions that it causes in us, faith has some understandings that affect us too. Faith understands that I can trust God. He really is my provider. 
And that means I can trust his heart or his desire for me. I can also trust his power, his ability. And that's, a, that's an, I think, a fair question. When you struggle with doubt, what is it you struggle more with? God's ability to come through or whether it's his desire to come through? What do you need to not be afraid of as much? God's ability or God's heart, his desire? Because faith says, man, Jesus said it. Father knows what you need. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things I need will be added to me. I'm good to go. That's what faith said. That's what Jesus said. So that means God wants to do it. That that means God can do it. And I think every one of us have to decide, okay, when I'm tempted to say, oh, I better better cover for God. You know, God, I'll I'll cover for you, God, because I know you're busy. You know, I'll take, I'll handle this on my own. When I'm tempted to do that, what is it I'm afraid of? Am I afraid of his intention or afraid of his ability? This, see, because faith says I'm not on my own. It's not all up to me. I don't have to be God in my life anymore, which is amazingly freeing. Really, it's, I'm not the bottom line. There's a freedom in that. That's why Jesus said, unless you come to me like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom. If you're wanting to be God in your life, that's going to be a problem. Because there can only be one. And this idea, this faith says, okay, God, I'm going to let you be God. And what this means is I don't have to worry. doesn't mean I don't have to work. The Bible says, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, He who does not work should not eat. The Bible never advocates laziness. It's not saying you don't have to work. It's just saying you don't have to work out of fear anymore. And some of you can't even relate to that idea because you've worked your whole lives out of fear. And what the Scripture is saying, no, you don't have to do that. You truly can follow your heart. If you will say, God... What is it that you have for me? What have you created me to do? What important, significant work that does provide for my family but also makes a difference in the world around me? What is it you've given me to do? And you have the freedom to follow that. You can work in the area where you're gifted. You don't have to sell yourself to the highest bidder because, well, I hate this job. I hate going to work every day, but it makes me 20% more than what I'd really like to do. Yeah, you don't have to do that. You're not supposed to be a slave. That's the challenge of Scripture. I don't have to be afraid. I choose to look through eyes of faith rather than eyes of fear. And I can do that because my provision is secure, because my provider is God. A second decision, okay, faith over fear. Second decision you have to make is I have enough or I've got to have more. I have enough or I've got to have more. And that's a decision. And this is really a big one. This is huge. In Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul writes this. He's writing from prison, and he's talking about people who have supported his ministry. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, says the guy in prison. I've learned the secret of being content in any in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's what Jesus said. Father, 
will take care of your needs. That's the secret. When I trust and depend on him, anything's possible. And it comes down to this decision. Do I have enough or do I have to have more? Hebrews 13.5 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I have enough because God's taken care of me and I've got father. This is so important. I, I grew up in a religious tradition where there were a lot of people who taught what they call what was called the prosperity doctrine. And the idea was, if you're a Christian, you're a king's kid. You're a child of the king. Therefore, you're supposed to be rich, financially rich by worldly standards. That's what you're supposed to have. And if you don't, then you must just not have faith enough. Because that rich, those riches are a sign of God's blessing and a blessing because of your faith. And a lot of people were put under a lot of guilt over that. Now, I had a problem with that. Because, see, I'd look over in Acts chapter 3, and here's Peter when asked for some money going, you know, kind of pulling his pocket out. Yeah, silver and gold I don't have. But, crippled guy, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy's healed and he's up and walking. Now tell me he doesn't have faith because he doesn't have a few bucks. That's just stupid. The guy had the faith to trust God to heal someone who'd been a cripple from the time they were born. But at the time, he didn't have any money. Didn't say Peter was starving. Didn't say anything like that. He just, they, we know he wasn't financially a rich guy. He was a regular working guy who left his business to follow Jesus. So... That was an imbalance. And at times in my life, I probably swung to what was another imbalance that said, well, that's not the truth. Therefore, and there was a whole other school of thought that said, you know what? If you're a Christian, you're supposed to be poor. We should live in poverty because if we live in poverty, we are following in the footsteps of Jesus, identifying with the poor. And so there was this idea of godliness as in poverty. And yet I recognized, man, a whole lot of poverty has nothing to do with godliness has to do with like sin wherever sin goes it tends to kind of ultimately end a lot of times in poverty it destroys it kills this idea of contentment it's the center no matter what you have no matter how much or how little you have father says i will take care of you so you are free to be content understand contentment is a gift it frees me up from the idea of I constantly have to do more to make money. I have to sacrifice everything. I have to sacrifice my family. I have to sacrifice my life. I sacrifice everything because I got to get more, get more. Or the other, I got to keep what I got. I got to keep what I got because someone's going to take it. You never know what's going to happen. I'm terrified. I have to keep everything I have. Contentment sets me free from either manifestation of greed. I got to have more. I got to keep what I have. I'm set free. And you know what's funny? Contentment really reflects a heart of gratitude because it's more focused about what I already have than what I want. And that's one of the greatest dangers of discontent. It's where kind of the whole debt thing comes in. And boy, you know, we've all struggled with that. Contentment focuses on gratitude for what I have versus what I don't yet have. See, when I have my focus on what I don't have, I totally forget the blessings that are already in my hand. And so I'm not even enjoying, I get on a cycle of discontent. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I'm not going to be happy. I'll enjoy it for 15 minutes and then forget about it because i got to have more. Contentment becomes a lifestyle or discontent becomes a lifestyle. 
not just a one-time condition, it becomes a, a heart problem. So no matter what you have, what's better than what I have? More. And Jesus says, stop, stop, be content. And we need to stop right now, and I'm happy to tell you, you're listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church located here on the north side of San Antonio and on the web at reallife.org. And we'll be right back in one minute with more of this message on the contrarian and money. And if you're enjoying the topic of this message now, Pastor Sean has just started a special series at the main campus of River City, as heard on Real Life Radio. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to invite you to a new series of messages beginning on September 11th. It's called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality. Our nation recently went through a financial downgrade that has shocked our markets as well as a whole lot of people. Financial problems aren't just a government thing. They impact individuals and families as well. We're going to address the things that got us here as well as some great biblical wisdom that will get us out. River City is a church for real life, and this topic is as real life as it gets. Don't miss this series of messages called Downgraded, Embracing Financial Reality, starting on September 11th. River City is located one half mile inside of 1604 on Redland Road and jones Maltzberger. Sunday service times are 8, 9.30, 11.15, and of course our 111 Coffee House service. At 11.15, we even have translation headsets for our Spanish-speaking friends. River City is a multi-site church and also has campuses in New Braunfels and Northwest San Antonio. Go to reallife.org for more information, and we'll see you on the road to real life. Welcome back, and we return to Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church, and this is Real Life Radio. 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-10 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. They're talking about false teachers who said, yeah, godliness is a means to get rich. And he... Paul calls him in that epistle to Timothy. He, he says, that's wrong. He says, godliness with contentment is great game. We brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Have you seen that? Have you ever seen someone go after the almighty dollar and kill themselves, hurt their family, become someone different than they ever wanted to be? You ever seen that lust for more destroy someone that you cared about? Verse 10, he says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You see, contentment frees me from the pursuit of more, which is such a gift because now I've got my whole life to pursue things that God has shared with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. My provision is secure because my provider is God. And the last decision that we have to make, and I'll wrap with this real simply. I have an open hand or I have a tight fist. We've got to decide. I have an open hand or I have a tight fist. To those who were givers, Paul said this, my God, verse 19 of Philippians 4, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Here's the reality, and it's pretty easy to illustrate. God can't really fill a tight fist, can he? A tight fist can't hold. If I'm so holding on to the little bit I have, I'm really not open to the abundance and the blessing that God has. There's a very simple principle in Scripture. It's called the principle of the sower. It's illustrated in nature. You reap what you sow. 
If I never sow any seed because I'm tight-fisted, I never have an open hand and give, I'm not going to reap any harvest but the harvest of isolation and selfishness. But an open hand allows me to be a giver. I've got to tell you, folks, most people I know want to be a giver. The thing that keeps them from giving is fear. Well, back to decision number one. I've had people say, oh, man, I heard about this need. I'd love to give, but I just don't have anything to give. And my question is, you have nothing to give? Well, my, mine won't make any difference. <laughs> it'll only make a small difference to the need. I'll give you that. But it'll make a big difference to you. What do you got? You got 10 bucks? Give 10 bucks. Okay? And all of a sudden, that tight fist? <laughs> you know, that's the sound of a tight fist opening up. <laughs> all of a sudden, it's a little more open. And next time, maybe you got 20 bucks when you see a need and you can give. Before you know it, this pattern, because you begin to see an open hand is a hand that God can fill and bless. And I can either hang on to my little bit that I got that Jesus said, when I do, it's going to rust and I'm going to leave it to someone else and it's, it's going to be, you know, lost. Or I can have an open hand and begin to have the wealth and the blessings and the, just the gifts that God wants to pour out. And I'm, when I say wealth and blessings, don't, say, don't hear me saying, you give a little money, God's going to give you a lot of money. I'm not really saying that. Although I really do, I, I have experienced that the scripture says, regarding money, it says, God who provided seed for the sower wants to increase your harvest. He wants to increase your, sow of, your store of seed so that you can be a blessing, so that you can give. His desire is for us to be generous. Most people want to be generous, but they're afraid. And the third decision, man, have an open hand. It really does. It allows my resources all of a sudden to have purpose. Now, my few bucks that I've got, all of a sudden they become eternal. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, store it up in heaven. That's what he's talking about. I can't take it with me, but I can send it ahead. When I invest in things that are eternal, God's purposes... And people, that's what's eternal. I have the freedom to give. And, and this is one of those things where it's a mentality thing. God wants us to have an abundance mentality. And a lot of people walk around with a poverty mentality. A poverty mentality says there's not enough to go around. Poverty mentality really is so sick and warped that it begins to look and see. If someone else is blessed, it feels like I lost. That's a poverty mentality. If someone else has good things happen and then it feels like I just lost ground because everything's a competition. It's a zero-sum game. There's only so much to go around, one pie. And if someone else is blessed, all of a sudden I just lost. God says, um, I'm your provider, and I'm like really infinite. And so I'm not limited. I want to bless you. It really is. God wants to give us this open hand, abundance mentality. And it changes us, folks. It's a blessing. I get to give. You know, we, we have a church full of people who tithe. 10% of our income given to the work of this ministry and all of the outreaches and all that this church does. And these folks tithe on a regular basis. And there's story after story of blessing. There are people who give offerings. They give special offerings for See the Impossible. That's one of the reasons we're able to do this Verizon thing this year. Because of the folks who sacrificially gave. There's people who give to missionaries and give to the ministry of the homeless. But it's not just about ministries from this church, although... Like I've told you before, I think it's a really good investment. But what about your neighbor? 
And you see your neighbor and you go, man, the, the neighbor lady across the way, she's got that piece of fence that's fallen down and she, she, I know she can't afford to fix it. We could afford to fix it. Yeah, but then we would have a little less and what might happen in our emergency fund and open hand says, well, I, I could help, help her fix that. Man, that's a blessing. It's, it's, it's something that God puts in you that is a gift. There's a man who you may, you may not have heard of him, but you've heard about the university that he founded. He and his wife founded, actually. His name is Robert Gilmore Letourneau. You've heard of Letourneau University. We got a picture of Letourneau. After reading his story, that is not what I expected that guy to look like, that country bumpkin smile of his. I mean, really, he, this guy had to leave school like 14 years of age, just worked, ended up going in the military. When he got out of the military, he got into a deal with, got into business with someone in a car dealership while his partner was an alcoholic, and the, the thing kind of went downhill. He left that business with 5000 in debt. So he goes back to what he knew. He starts clearing land, okay, Laterno, as a young man, starts clearing land. And he actually enjoyed it, and he was pretty good at it. And he's got a real sharp mind, okay, no formal education, but a very sharp mind. And he starts inventing ways to do it better. At the time, technology is kind of cropping up in all kinds of areas, but roads were still done like a bunch of guys with shovels and a couple mules. That's how they put roads in. He invented a little something that ultimately became the bulldozer. Okay? He invented, he has over 300 patents in his name, active patents in his name. 70% of all the earth-moving equipment that was used in World War II was his inventions from his company. Now, something interesting happened when he was very young before he actually kind of grew big in that he loved, he was a Christian. He loved Jesus. He had given his heart to the Lord and he went to his pastor because he knew that God had blessed him and he, and he wasn't a rich man yet, but he just said, I, I want to give everything to God. And his bias was, his kind of thought was, Maybe I need to go into ministry, be a pastor. Or maybe I need to go uh, and become a missionary. Because if you give God everything, that's what it looks like. And fortunately, he had a wise pastor who said, well, that's one way. He said, but God needs Christian businessmen too. And a light bulb went on for Laterno. He immediately declared God the chairman of his board. And he made the decision from that moment on that 90% of his income would be given to the work of the kingdom. He set up a foundation called the Laterno Foundation. 90%. Now, at the time, it wasn't such a big deal. But he, he is a just brilliant engineer. And every picture you see of the guy, he's got that smile. Show his wife. I love these people. I want to go to their house after church for dinner. They, every picture of me, he's got this hat on, you know, and he kind of does a big old smile. He's just this, that smile of humility. The guy just is just a guy who just said, you know what? I'm going to serve God with everything I've got. He just happened to have a brilliant mind. He ended up establishing agricultural missions work in Liberia, in Peru. Huge. He and his wife, those folks, I love those people. Those are my new grandparents, okay? They founded Laterno University to train ministers, men and women of God, but also business people who would have a worldview of everything we have, is a gift from God, and so we can use that gift to serve Him. And this guy changed the world without all of the... And what's funny is when I'd read his whole story, how impressive what he did was, I expected a guy a little more kind of tight, you know, kind of a little smug smile, you know, just someone a little more... And then it's grandma and grandpa. 
And I mean, just this picture of what God can do when a regular person says, yes. When a regular person says, God, I'm going to have an open hand. So whatever you put in it, God, it's yours. And here's some quotes. I love this quote. Listen to this. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. The question, Letourneau said, is not how much of my money I give God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. As he put it, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back to me. But God has a bigger shuffle. I like this guy. Your God has a bigger shovel. That's what Laterno says. You need to know that. I mean, that's the thing that that defines it. That's it. He, he to me, summarized the experience that I've had as I've surrendered things to God. And, and hundreds of people around this room right now who had that experience. As I've surrendered to God and I've shoveled things out to God, I've just found he just keeps shoveling it back. And dang, if he doesn't have a bigger shovel. You need, some of you need to know that today. Your God has a bigger shovel, so it's okay. You, don't have, you can make a decision. I don't have to be afraid. I'm going to look through eyes of faith. I don't have to be about getting more. I've got enough. Instead, I'm going to be free. I'm going to go do something that matters and do something that I'm going to make every day count. And I don't have to be tight-fisted. It's okay. I can have an open hand. And God's got a bigger shovel. My prayer is that we will be people who are set free because this money issue is so contrarian. This is so difficult and challenging. We need to be set free, folks. It's a gift of the Lord. and It's a gift He has for us. You've been listening to Real Life Radio, a service of River City Community Church. As next week, Pastor Sean will talk about the two things you're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. And just a reminder to you, you can go to reallife.org and podcast this entire message and series. But you're more than welcome to visit River City Community Church, located at the corner of Jones Maltzberger and Redland Road, about a half mile inside Loop 1604 on the north side of San Antonio. And for more details and directions and service times, again, just go to reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.